Okay, we're going to do two things today. Um, first, we're actually, I'm going to give us an overview of where we've been so far. Okay, we've studied a lot of truths since March, and uh, I want to kind of review those truths that we've looked at and give you categories so that you can think about them and understand them and, and know sort of how to use them a little bit. And then we're going to finish our series on regeneration. And so if you look, the scriptures we're going to look at later are on page six in your bulletin. There's a place to take notes on page seven. Uh, before we read these verses, though, again, I just want to give you a sense of where we've been. Okay, And so as I start doing that, um, since March, we've been studying and looking at the Scripture's teaching on what I like to call the fullness of the Gospel. Okay, The Gospel is the good news of what God has done in Jesus. And there are people who understand that you know, at, at a surface level. You know, if you ask some people what the Gospel is, they'll tell you something, and it might make you feel like you're at the zero entry point in a pool. You know, those zero entries for kids, right, where they're sort of like the, the water's about that deep, you know. It's water. It's wet. It can be refreshing, but it doesn't quite cover over every area of your life. You know what I'm saying? And so we're looking at the fullness of the gospel. And sometimes the reality is we just forget how good the good news is. And so what we're doing, we've been looking at the theology of the Bible, Okay, we're becoming students of the Bible, and we're diving deeper into the biggest and most important theological concepts so that we can understand the fullness of what the Bible means when it says that Jesus came to bring good news. And so I want to just zoom out and show you where we've been. So in March, we looked at hope, right? And we spent the whole month of March looking at hope that you have confidence in the future for this life and the next. Jesus brings hope. Okay? And then in April, we looked at justification. The truth being that because of what Jesus has done, you stand in God's presence blameless with great joy. Okay? In May, we looked at adoption. Understanding that God is your loving Father, your loving Father, and that you are an heir. You're an heir of God uh, and a co-heir with Christ. And then in this month, we're looking, in June, we're looking at regeneration, which is the truth that you are new inside. Okay? Now, I'm reviewing this because, you know what? I think that these truths, they're kind of like apps for your phone. Okay? If you have a mobile phone, if you have a smartphone, you spend time in the App Store, if you have, a, if you have an iPhone, the Google Play Store, if you have Android, Windows has an App Store, BlackBerry's got an App Store, and everybody's got an App Store, and, and, and we download apps, right, because these apps make the experience of our phones better, right? They actually impact our lives. They let us do things we couldn't do. They get us better access to information. You know, I think things like, I looked up, okay, what are the top apps of all time? Yelp right? Yelp is amazing, right? Want to know where to eat? Yelp will tell you. Want to know if the place you think you might go and eat is awful? Yelp will tell you, right? The Maps program, Kindle, Facebook, Pandora, all these things make our lives more enjoyable, right? They actually bring out the fullness of our phone, right? Our phone can do stuff, can do all this stuff, and we need to download these apps so that it can function at its most powerful, in its most powerful way. And so, these truths are like apps, okay, in that if you can understand these truths, they are designed to help you understand the fullness of the power of your faith, okay? These truths are calls to faith, 
Okay, they're in the Bible because God wants you to believe them. Because when you believe these truths, when you understand these truths, when you use these truths in your life, you will find your faith grows. You'll find your relationship with God grows. And it impacts your life. It connects directly to your life. In what ways? Well, just, I mean, these are purposes. Number one, you know God better. If you can understand these truths, you will know who God is. I mean, I still remember talking to one of my neighbors once, and we were just talking in passing, and I just said, yeah, you know what? I remember um, it's because I know God that this is how I am. And he's like, what? Wait, wait, what do you mean you know God? Like, it just never occurred to him that anybody, I mean, for him, he thought it was arrogant. You know, he's like, who, who are you to say you know God? I said, well, it's not me. It's because God set his love on me, because God sent his son for me, and I've responded to that. I have this relationship with God. And so these truths will teach you to know God better. The more you understand these truths, the more you will experience God's blessings in your life. Okay, if you're not experiencing the blessings of God, no matter if things are high or low, because the reality is you could be up on the top. Everything could be going your way and you're still not happy. Or you could be in the dumps. If you understand these truths, you can put them to work in the highs and the lows and everything that you do will matter and it will help you know God better. It'll help you understand your life and what God's purpose is in your life better. And then the last thing is that these truths, they help you to disciple others, okay? Because as you learn how these truths fit, as you learn, oh, you know what? I should remember justification the next time I feel like I feel guilty or the next time I feel like I'm not good enough. If you remember that, you'll grow. And then you'll realize, hey, you know what? If I'm talking to someone else, there are times when my friend needs to hear about justification, there are times when my friend needs to hear about adoption. There are times when my spouse needs to hear that she's been regenerated, right, that she's different. And so that's what these truths are for. You know, really, I want you not only to remember these apps for your faith, but I want you to use them, okay? That's what we're doing here. I'm trying to give you truth so that you can use it in your lives, okay? There are times where I go back through my phone and I look and I think, man, why did I download this? And I uninstall it. It's taking up space on my phone, right? Apps are meant to be used, right? They're not just so that you have another cool icon on your phone. They're meant to be used in your lives. And so that's why I'm trying to help us remember these things. And so I want you to know how they fit together. And we've already seen, we looked at this a couple weeks ago when we started the stuff on regeneration and if you don't remember this, go back and listen to the first sermon on regeneration because we talked about how to categorize some of the blessings of God. Do you remember the story about the drunk driver? He gets caught or he causes an accident. The police and the paramedics show up because he has legal problems and medical problems. Do you remember that? Well, and so the gospel says we also, our sin causes us to have legal problems and medical problems. Guilty before God, we're broken in it. We don't live the way we should. Okay, well... There are blessings that come from the gospel that handle our legal problems. There's blessings that come from the gospel that handle our medical problems. Okay, so justification and adoption give us a new legal status before God. You're forgiven. You're accepted. You're his child. Period. But then God reaches in us and starts changing us from the inside out. We become new people. He changes us. We grow over time. That's what regeneration does. And so we've got legal and medical benefits. And I want to just show you a picture now. I want to give you another visual image 
of what the gospel is designed to do in our lives. Okay? This is us. This is us and our new self. And we're planted in Christ. Okay, the gospel says that we are united to Christ. Romans 6. We looked at that the first week of June. And so it's like us. Like we are sinking deeper and deeper into Christ. And what I love about this image is that oftentimes the root system is just as full as the branch system above the ground. Right? And so we have all of these ways that Jesus blesses us. I mean, if you do... I mean, if you do the count, I counted a hundred blessings in Romans 1 through 8. Remember that? A hundred blessings in Romans 1 through 8 alone. But if you look at the whole New Testament, I mean, we're talking about 6,488 blessings that are listed. I just made that number up. It's a whole lot. It's a whole lot. Um, I was starting to count, and then I categorized. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that for this one. The point is, there's a bunch, right? And that's kind of how roots go. If you dig deeper and deeper and deeper, like with a tree, it's really big, right? It goes single into the ground, and then it starts to branch off in giant roots, okay? And then these ones branch off, branch off, branch off, branch off. Take these little tiny things that all get water and nutrients from the ground. Well, that's how we are with Christ. And when the Bible says we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, guess what it means? It means we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, thousands of ways that Jesus, that knowing Jesus, following Jesus, impacts your life and enables you to bear fruit, okay? Enables you to be healthy. Enables you to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in its season. His leaf doesn't wither, and everything he does prospers. That's Psalm 1, right? That's the image that the gospel gives us. Well, so what I've understood, actually, as I've studied, because there was a time... When I was a sophomore in college, and I remember reading Ephesians 1, 3, every blessing, I thought, well, what are those blessings? And I set it, I set off on a journey. <laughs> I guess it was like 25 years ago. Um, I set off on a journey. No, 29 years ago. I don't know how long it was. Never mind, not 29. Um, to understand every blessing. I wanted to know, like, what is every single one of these dendrite-type things and how are we connected to Jesus? Because I want to know him so that I can be blessed by him. And so I just started to study. And, I mean, it's kind of amazing. Because when you start looking for things like this, then they show up everywhere. And you begin to see them. And so one of the things that happened to me about five or six years ago is that I began to understand. I began to understand that these roots, they cluster up. Okay? In order to feed the trunk, these roots come together in bigger and bigger, you know, they're kind of like rivers that feed into a big river, right? I mean, that's kind of how it works, and that's what the image is. And what I realized was you can categorize all these thousands of blessings, okay? You can categorize them so that you have at least file folders to put them in, okay? And we've actually started to look at some of these categories, okay? The first one, there's a whole slew of blessings that can be defined by Christ's work for you, okay? Jesus did this amazing work. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he poured out the Holy Spirit. That's the work of Christ, okay? And certain aspects of this work of Christ are things that he does for you, okay? And, you know, the definition of something that Christ does for you is that he does what you can't. Makes sense, right? He does it for you. You don't have to do it because he does it for you, okay? We've looked at these blessings, justification and adoption, 
These are the two main things that fit into this giant root of for you. Okay, and so we looked at those in April and May. Well, there's another main tributary, and this is Christ's work in you. Okay, Christ's work in you. And so this is where he enables you to grow. You follow me? So Christ's work for you does what you can't. Christ's work in you, he enables you to go, grow. And that is what regeneration is. Okay, regeneration is one of the main truths in Christ's work in you. Okay, and so just to connect the dots, because again, I want, you to, I want to throw at you ways to think about these blessings so that you'll know when you need to remember what truth so that you'll know when you need to share with someone else which kind of truth, okay? And so, in the legal medical analogy, what does Christ work for you? Is it legal or medical? Legal, right? The legal blessings of the gospel are what Christ's work for you is, okay? And then the medical is Christ's work in you. Are you with me? All right. So, this is where we've been uh, this is where we're going, and this is actually where we're going to continue to go. Because you know what? There's another route over here. <laughs> we're not going to fill that in until it's going to take a little bit. So, um, so we're looking at Christ's work in us. Coffee, sorry. Um, and so this is where we've been, okay? This is where we've been, and I hope that leaving here today, you could at least say, all right, Jesus blesses us in ways that I still don't quite understand. Like there's a fullness to the gospel that I haven't quite grasped or I want to grow more in it. And I know that he's done things for me and he's done things in me. Something's for me, he's done things in me. Something's for me, he's done things in me. Okay, if you leave knowing that, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Okay, so this is where we've been and it's where we're going to continue to pursue as we walk through in the coming months. Okay, now, the second thing we're going to do today is we're going to actually close our series on regeneration. Okay, this is the last sermon on regeneration in this series, but obviously, I hope that this isn't the last time that you ever use regeneration, right? In a sense, the series is me trying to download into you the regeneration app, right? Regeneration as an app, I want you to download it over the course of June so that you can use it every day, of your life. And we've been talking about how this is used, but I want to end this series on regeneration. Um, I want to end this by talking about the trajectory of regeneration in the Bible. Okay? The Bible paints a story about the present and the future. I mean, it also talks about the past, but it talks about the present and the future. Okay? And there's sort of a subplot in the story that's not really a subplot, but it's because it tells the main thrust of the Bible, but it's not like the main character necessarily, okay? And so the Bible tells the story about the present and the future using the word regeneration, okay? The word regeneration shows up in the Bible twice, okay? It shows up in the Bible twice. Now, there are other words that are used that describe regeneration, Okay, um, the, the idea of being born again, the idea of being born from God, the idea of God bringing us forth, I mean, is used probably 20 times in the New Testament. But the word regeneration, it's only used twice. And we're going to look at those two instances and see the way it connects to our daily lives. 
Okay, that's what we're going to do for the rest of our time. And the scriptures are there in the bulletin. So let's look at the first one. Titus 3, verses 4 through 7 is the first place where we see this word being used. And it says this. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not by works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so what we see here in the center of this, I mean, this is this grand telling of kind of the whole gospel. You've got justification in here. You've got adoption because it says that we're heirs. Um, but then you also have the washing of regeneration. And it's interesting because in this passage, I just want to mention some things about this passage. Um, first and foremost, if you look at verse 4, it says, When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. That's a reference to the coming of Jesus. Right? It makes sense. We understand that. Um, and I think it's great to be able to describe the coming of Jesus as the appearing of the goodness and loving kindness of God. Okay, so many people have views of God that are skewed. So many people have bad views, wrong views of God. And and what this verse, what verse 4 says, is that when Jesus showed up, Jesus is the manifestation, Jesus is the unveiling or the revelation of God's goodness and loving kindness. And so if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. God's love is manifested in the life, the death, and then the resurrection of Jesus. And verse 5 says that in loving kindness, in his goodness, he saved us. He saved us. He saved us from our sins. Um, he saved us, and it's interesting because there's different ways to think about sin. Sometimes we think about sin as the bad stuff we do that makes us feel guilty. And some of our guilt is right because when we offend God, we feel guilty. And so we need forgiveness. And, and so sin sometimes are the bad things that we do, but sin can also be taking the good things that we do and serving them as though they're more important than God. Okay? Like your, people do this with their career. Uh, people do this with their comfort, right? Where you choose to be comfortable instead of doing what you know is right. Or you choose to be comfortable instead of honoring God. You know, and so, uh, and what's amazing to me is that so many times the good things that we pursue, they don't actually make us happy. And it's because we try to get those things to give us happiness, to give us ultimate happiness, and they can't. They can't. And so when Jesus saves us from our sins, he saves us both from the bad things that we do and the guilt that we experience, and he also saves us from a life of always trying and never getting there. Jesus saves us from a life, um, from a life that's always trying to be significant, that never feels like it has purpose, that, that always feels like you just need something else. He saves us from that life because he gives us God. He gives us a relationship with God that can make us whole. And the verse goes on to say, um, he saved us not by works done by us in righteousness, 
but according to his own mercy. So we see here, it's not because of stuff we did. If you have a relationship with Jesus, it's not because you did something and Jesus said, oh, all right, good job, you're in. This is not how salvation works. Salvation is Jesus coming to us and saying, look, all of us, all of you have sinned and you've fallen short, but I have made a way for you to come back and have a relationship with me. I've died for your sins so that God can forgive you. And so it's not because of works done by us, but it's according to his mercy. And then it goes on to say, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So here, salvation is describing us being saved from the power of sin. We are washed in regeneration. This is a, this is a, I think it's a, a picture or a mention of baptism. And we are renewed by the Holy Spirit. And so this is us being cleansed. There's lots of other translations that I looked up. And here's a couple of interesting ones. Um, just about this phrase, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the message translation says, he gave us a good bath <laughs> and we came out new people washing inside and out by the Holy Spirit. I like that. Another one, he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life. You know, regeneration, and we see it in this verse, it's both the power of God and the presence of God, right? The definition we've been using is that regeneration is the act where God gives us both new strength and new life through Jesus. That's what regeneration is. And so fundamentally, this means really that God is on our side. I mean, that's where it comes down. And I was reminded of this yesterday in City Bible Reading. You know, Psalm 124, this just jumped off the page. I thought, wow, this is what it means. This is part of what it means to be regenerated. Psalm 124, I read it in the call to worship. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, if it had not been for the Lord, the Lord who was on our side, we would have been swallowed up. We would have been buried. We would have been conquered by our enemies. But regeneration means that God is on our side. Isn't that amazing? You think about that. God is on your side. You know, from my journal yesterday, adoring and worshiping God. God, you are on my side. You are with me. You protect me against my enemies. You are blessed. You're to be honored and worshiped. I escape from my enemies because you are my help. And then I started thinking and I began to confess, God, you're on my side but I often leave our side and I join the other side. My pride, my selfishness, my fear, my impatience, my anger, my laziness, all of these are me leaving our side. And just that image of like, here I am, lost. God comes onto my side, right? And that here we are, and yet I'm the one leaving. I'm going over to the other side. And I'm thinking, Stephen, why are you doing this? And I felt like this new way to think about my sin came to me. I hadn't thought about it like me leaving our side. So I confess. Then Jesus, Thanksgiving, thank you, Jesus, for coming 
to be on my side. I mean, think about this. You left heaven to enter onto my sinful world, onto my sinful side. You are on the side of sinners who repent. Thank you, Jesus. So I then, I just in supplication, I said, help me understand this. Help me to understand my calling. Help me to be devoted so that I would devote my life to honor you, so that I wouldn't leave our side. And saying that Jesus is on my side doesn't mean that I'm proud, or it shouldn't mean that I'm proud, right? Because the only difference between me and anybody else is that Jesus came to my side. Like, we're on the same side. We're on the same earth. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we're all on this earth together. We're all broken, lost. We're all in trouble. We all need God. And so that shouldn't make us proud to say that God is on our side. It should make us say, so you can be too. Or he'll be on your side. God is for you. If you'll turn and invite him into your life. I mean, this is the gospel. It's not by works that we've done, but it's according to his own mercy. He'll wash you. He'll regenerate you. You don't have to do anything to change who you are. You just need to believe. You need to believe and come into a relationship with Jesus. So this is how the regeneration story begins in the Bible. Okay? This, is the, this is one of the places where the word regeneration is in the Bible, one of two. And so it starts, the story of regeneration begins with an individual person being regenerated. Okay? Make sense? So if this has happened for you, then God's powerful work in you has begun. God has begun a work in you in regeneration when you believe in Jesus. If you haven't experienced this yet, if you haven't experienced this new life, then the invitation is for you. Jesus says, come. Come, repent of your sins and believe in me. I died and rose for you. When you believe in me, I will regenerate you. I'll give you new life. I'll give you strength. And if you confess your sins to him and believe in him, then he'll regenerate you. The question, though, is where does regeneration take us? Okay? Regeneration is kind of like getting on a roller coaster. Okay? You know, you're sitting there kind of waiting in line, you're waiting in line, you're waiting in line, and then you get in the roller coaster because it's stopped. And when you get in, you kind of like strap up. It's like, okay, put your seatbelt on because this is going to be a wild ride. That's kind of how regeneration is, okay? Regeneration wants to take you somewhere. Regeneration does not want you to sit where you are, but regeneration has, is going to take you for a ride, okay? This other passage in Matthew 19 tells you where regeneration is going, Okay? This is the only other place in the Bible where this word is used, where this word regeneration is used. And it's kind of hard to find it. It's kind of hard to find it in Matthew 19 because it's not translated by the word regeneration. But it's the same Greek word, and this Greek word is only used twice. So let's read it. If you think you found it, you can raise your hand. When the disciples heard this, this is Matthew 19, verse 25 to 29. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God 
all things are possible. All right, we got one hand. Someone's thinking we've seen it. Verse 27, then Peter said in reply, see, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? I'm looking for hands, no hands. Verse 28, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Three more votes, four more votes, five, okay. Verse 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my namesake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Got a vote. Who voted before? Double vote. I got another vote. Where is regeneration in this passage? What's that? Saved? Nope, it's not saved. The new world. Ella! Woohoo! Out of the mouth of babes. She's nine, ten? Nine, nine-year-old, beat y'all to it. Y'all need to learn from Ella. The new world. You see what Jesus says in verse 28? It's in verse 28. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world. And then he begins to explain some things about the new world. In the Greek, usually you don't need to do this, and you usually don't need, the English Bible is wonderful, it's awesome, it's amazing. There's a reason why. They didn't translate this. Well, and here's why they didn't do this. Because how, how would this sound to you? Truly I say to you, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. You'd be like, huh? I don't get that. And so, but that's what it says in the Greek. Okay, it says, truly I say to you, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, and he goes on. Okay, and so what Jesus is doing here is he is talking about the new world. He's talking about the world that is to come. Okay, he's talking about when he comes back and he rules and reigns and everything is made perfect. Okay, now the rest of the Bible teaches us that that is the new world. In Revelation 22, at the very end of the story, it says a new heavens and a new earth. Okay, and so Jesus is talking about the new world here. But it's just really important that he actually describes the new world in terms of, he says it's the regeneration. It's the regeneration. Are you, are you with me? So Jesus says the regeneration, okay? And this is the only other place in the Bible where this word is used, okay? And so it's kind of interesting because, let's see, you guys are left to right. It starts in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. Regeneration begins with God's power coming into you as an individual, into your life, where God makes you new inside, where he gives you power, strength, and presence so that from the inside out, you are new. You're made new. That's where it starts. But where it ends, where regeneration ends, is in the new world. Regeneration ends at the renewal of all things. And so let me give you some other translations. This phrase, the new world, I thought, well, let's see how other translations translated this word, the regeneration. Um, Look at this. The messianic rebirth of the world. 
That's cool. Um, the next world, the recreation of the world, in the age when all things are renewed. Like, are you getting this? Like, this is what it means. This is where it's going. This is where regeneration is taking us. When the world is made new, and then the last one, I kind of like this one the best, in the renewal of all things. These are just different ways that different English translations have translated this, this word of Jesus to talk about um, when the regeneration comes. Right? And so it's this world, this perfect world, this perfect world. Um, this is God's plan. Okay? You just need to know this. This is where it's going. It's going here. Okay? God has begun, right? Does this ring any bells, any verses that you know and memorize? God has begun this work in you. And he's going to continue this work and continue this work and continue to work and continue to work. He's going to continue to work in you until we get to the renewal of all things. This is where it's going. This is where it's going. And so if I were the kind of person that took notes or wrote things down or like to scribble in my bulletin, I would circle the word regeneration in Titus 3.5. And then I would circle the phrase the new world in Matthew 19.28. And I'd just draw a line in between those two things. Because you need to understand that when God saves you, he's going somewhere. God is saving you. It's connected. It's connected. So, and there's times where it's just really helpful to think about what's coming. Right? There's times where it's helpful to just imagine and to remember that, you know what? There's coming a day when you will get to rest. There's coming a day when the struggles that you have will come to an end. Someone I was talking with this week said, can you imagine a world where there is no more lust? For a guy, that's a big deal. I mean, for gals too, but not, I mean, but for a guy, that's a big deal. Can you imagine a world when you would, when you would love people for the right reasons? Can you imagine a world where you're not even going to struggle anymore with the stuff that you hate about yourself? That's what God has in store for us. That's what's coming. That's where it's all going. And the reason I think it's so important to draw a line between Matthew 19, 28 and Titus 3, 5 is because what God will do then, he has begun to do now. What God is going to do to us perfectly when Jesus comes back, God gives us the power of regeneration so that we can begin to be this way now. And so your growth, your maturity, your fight against sin, your building up in the faith, 
like all of this. You know what this is? This is you experiencing more and more of this. So this is why Jesus says that eternal life is knowing God. Because if you know him now, you can begin to live eternally now. There are things that you can do now that are going to last forever. There are things that you can do now. Every time you make a decision to follow God, every time you obey God, every time you love someone else, every time you sacrifice for someone else, every time you do that, you are making this present world a little bit more like the world to come. Do you hear what I'm saying? Every time you make a decision that's, be, that's out of your regeneration, you make this world a little bit more like the world to come. That's inspiring to me. Because um, God lasts forever. Eternal life is going to last forever. The things that we do now, I mean, this is huge. The things that we do now, when we do them following Jesus, they're going to last forever. And you know what that means? That means these are the things that as we inch this way, if we're inching this way, these are the things that will actually make us happy that will make us content, that will make us satisfied. Because nothing else will. Nothing else satisfies. Everything else is just shoving something into the void in our heart and trying to get it to be filled. It sticks in there, some stuff sticks for a time, then it falls out. But every time you make a decision. And what's interesting is that Jesus kind of describes it this way. When he goes on in, this, in verse 28, he says, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. And the idea there is that Jesus is going to reign on a glorious throne. What that means is that every time Jesus makes a decision that's a ruling decision, a kingly decision, you're going to think, wow, that's perfect. Right? How many times do rulers in our country, in our world, make decisions and you think, oh man, really? Oh. But Jesus will make decisions. And every decision that he makes will have the visual equivalent of shining brighter. His glorious throne. You'll see it and go, oh, why didn't I think of that? Oh man, we've been fighting over this issue in politics and the left says this, the right says this. Jesus says this and man... That's perfect. Jesus will reign on a glorious throne. But then guess what? You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And so what Jesus is saying here, Jesus is saying that those who follow him will also reign. So on this day, those who follow him will rule and reign, meaning you will make decisions. You'll be able to lead others in the right paths in the right ways. You'll have the wisdom that you need. You'll have everything that you need to do it the right way. And here's what's interesting, is that if this is regeneration in the fullest expression, Jesus has asked us to start ruling and reigning now. Every time you make a decision 
that serves someone else. In the office, anytime you, do, you, you use your authority to serve your boss, your employees. I mean, this is what it is, right? Every time in the home with your spouse, in a relationship where you make a decision to love and to care for, to understand, you're moving over. You're actually reigning with Jesus. You're beginning now what Jesus promises in the future. This is the regeneration. Man, this is where God is taking the world. And so regeneration, it's like this subplot in human history that's telling the story of what kind of life will last forever. Some lives are going to have, they're going to come screeching to a halt and they're going to end in judgment. Some lives are going to last forever. Some lives, I mean, this, this is where this takes you. With some lives, and you know this about people, you know people where you think, man, when we get here, I think it's going to be at least a little bit like him. Or I see what it's going to be like when I see her. Right? I mean, that's how regeneration it, like, again, it, it puts us on the roller coaster and says, come on, let's go. Like, we are going to roll through life. God is giving you a power. He's giving you an authority, and he's giving you a calling. Like, I'm making you new. Now fill my world with my power and my presence. That's where this is going. That's how you use this app. Right? You download this app. You believe it in your heart. You need to use it when you leave today. God, I mean, we've, you can re- like listen back. You probably want to listen back over the sermons and realize, okay, because I've talked about these are specific ways, specific steps that you can use or that you can go through to use these apps. I mean, last week was think of where you want to grow. Remember the glory of the perfected Jesus and how he was perfect in that situation. Then remember that he is in you. That's you now and go be like him, right? You want to ask yourself, God, how? How do you want me to use this truth of regeneration? How do you want me now to look like I will in the future? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that it tells us the beginning and the end. Thank you that it shows us where we're going. Jesus, thank you for regenerating us. We confess that we have not believed this. Some of us haven't downloaded this app at all. Some of us have downloaded it and never used it. Will you help us to use this on a daily basis? Help us, Jesus. Will you please show us now, bring to our minds and our hearts uh, an area of our life or a relationship, a situation at work or at home, a particular struggle that we have. Show us where we can use this regeneration and help us to know 
that Jesus, because of your grace, we have one foot in this world and the other foot is in the world to come. Thank you for now making us part of what you will make us in full in the future. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to use this truth, not just for our own sake, but Lord, we all know people. We all have friends, family members, colleagues, co-workers that need this truth. They need to know that your blessings come and that you love us this much and you give us this power. This is how we grow. This is how we change. It's not our own doing. It's not our own works. So Jesus, help us to walk in this. And I pray too that if, if anyone here is struggling to live out their regeneration, prompt them, Jesus, to get someone else involved in their struggle. None of us can do this alone. None of us. And so be with us. And Jesus, for those who are here and don't know you, would you please show them the smile on your face that invites them into a relationship with you. Help them to see that you, it's your loving kindness and your goodness that were the reasons you came and you came for them. Let them believe in you and trust in you. We pray this in your name. Amen.